This is going to be a heavy podcast, and so we are going to start this shit with a dab. (coughs) Alright, I'm ready to dive into it. (coughs) Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Philosophic. Like I said, this episode is going to be a little bit heavier. Uh, I I wanted to cover my religious and spiritual beliefs because it's something that I get asked about often. So this will be one of my lengthier podcasts, but I hope that it makes sense to even one of you. Or if it doesn't and there's some flaw that you see in something that I've said where you want to debate it with me, please, please feel free to, because I am very open-minded to, I mean, none of us know. So, I am a Luciferian. Before beginning this podcast, I want to make it clear I'm not a Satanist. To recognize an anti-God as a deity would also be to recognize God as a deity, and thus I'd be living in direct defiance of the idea of God with the intention of doing so. I don't have any malice or anger in my heart towards God. I just loathe organized religion, primarily because it is the backbone of all human suffering and war. I don't pray, and I don't think that anyone is coming to my rescue. I can't know for sure whether or not God exists, and so I don't deny his or her existence in some manifestation, but I do absolutely deny the Christian form. That being said, my spiritual path to me is to manifest my gifts so I may become the divine creator of my own fate, to grow every day, to take accountability for my actions, to strengthen my will and mind, to become the master and the god of myself and my own life. And yes, I just said become your own god. And I know that's crude blasphemy to the Christian, I know, but the abhorrence of this ideology is also blasphemous to me. Do I believe that I will become eternally divine? Absolutely not. But I can become the most divine version of myself every single day and strive to become more of what I think God would act like in mine and others' lives every single day. The next thing that I'd like to say regarding my belief in Luciferianism is that it's not violent in any way. I oppose any craft that's to manipulate the will of others or to harm them. Again, if you are a Christian, this will likely be blasphemous and upsetting. So please move forward with an open mind because my mind is open to your opinions as well. I'm not here to make you like me. (laughs) I am here to make you question things. I encourage you to do the same for me. And really the debates are in futility because none of us really know anyways until the end, do we? I always try to remember to honor other humans is to also always honor myself and to hurt others is to also always poison myself. So do everything to the best of your ability with great and kind intentions. Now moving forward. Um, When I was an infant, I was baptized Lutheran and around six, my father and I converted to the Jehovah's Witnesses. My father was a devout practitioner. We'd go door-to-door preaching three times a week. We'd go to congregation to study witness publications like the Watchtower and the Awake twice a week. And we went to a Bible study once a week. And the the religion was very cult-like. I wasn't allowed to have any friends that weren't witnesses. They were referred to as worldly people. 
I was raised very anti-government, anti-war, really just anti-world. I didn't participate in any holidays because they all have pagan origins. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do not do things like donate blood, vote, say the Pledge of Allegiance, so forth. However, I am happy that a lot of these things were instilled in me because they have made me into the person that I am today. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses are, they're a peaceful people, but I realized eventually that they're sheep waiting to be eaten alive, and I wanted to be a wolf. Not necessarily that I wanted to prey on others, but I wanted to be able to prey on those that preyed on others. I feel like the religion really encourages weakness, especially saying things like, turn the other cheek. And I mean, that has a time and a place, but there's also a time to stand your ground and fight Goliath. So I told my dad that I was never going to be baptized because I knew I couldn't make that sort of promise to God and that I was no longer going to go to the congregation. And at 12, I moved to Washington and I met my mother, who was Wiccan. It felt closer to the truth, but it wasn't quite there yet. I couldn't understand why I would worship the star or the tree or the grass when I could worship what created it. So there was still more, I thought, and so I kept searching. And I started studying different divination methods, various religions including Eastern, Western civilization ideologies, hybrids of both, obscure organizations and other societies, but nothing felt true to me. Bits and pieces of them all, but not one philosophy in its entire me. Also, nothing felt like God was present to me in any of those rooms. Actually, in some of them, I, I, I left because I felt like there was something that was not, not good in those rooms. So you fast forward about 15 years and I'm in my apartment alone in Seattle and I was going through a really hard time mentally where I was rebuilding myself and I felt a yearning because I wanted to know the truth and I needed to know my purpose. I had no why, nothing that was greater than myself pushing me. And I knew that if I moved out there, as I was leaving, my father literally shed tears and said, why would you do this to yourself? You have nothing out there. And I told him then, you know, that I wanted to be without a life raft. And so when I got out there and I was left to my own devices, I realized I had been coddled. I had been told I could be anything and that I was special and I realized that I really knew nothing of responsibility because somebody would always pretty much bail me out. I didn't come from a lot of money, but that doesn't mean that I didn't get bailed out of things. <laughs> I had become obsessed with becoming accountable, even if it meant failing, failing miserably, even if it meant living in a box. And I had moved to Washington with no job, no family, no friends, no money, and like I said, no life raft. There was nothing to save me if I drowned. But I had made it up in my mind that I was not going to ask anyone to bail me out ever again. And I decided the same with God. I only really called on him before when I needed him in the beginning, after all, with foxhole prayers. And how insulting if he were really listening. I digress. So looking at the tattered book in my hand that I'd spent my life studying the Bible, 
I felt that old familiar feeling of guilt and the need to repent wash over me. And for what? What had I done? Was I intrinsically bad? Aren't we all capable of monstrous things? Does that make us bad? Or does acting on it? Didn't God even wipe out the earth with a flood in an act of anger and then gift the world with the rainbow? Why was I looking for answers or guidance outside of myself? What did I personally believe? No longer did I have to believe it because of societal constructs, my family, or fear. I could choose it because it felt true to my soul. And so I decided to start at the basics with the phonetics. And first I looked objectively at the root words behind the deities' names. Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, is often modernly translated to Jehovah. Now, when I read the root word, Hova, which means ruin and destruction, I knew that it was a false name, and surely it couldn't be a proper representation of God, and certainly any religion that calls him, that could not be the truth. And Lucifer is translated to light bearer. He is regarded as the illuminator, and that was the first key on my path. I believe that the Bible is not literal, but a metaphor, and I believe it also to be an inversion, meaning that I believe that God and Lucifer are playing the opposite roles that are normally depicted of them in the Bible. When I think of God in the Christian sense, I think of a metaphor for ignorant bliss. He's, per- he's portrayed as the great provider. Lucifer, I think of as a metaphor for free will and rebellion. He's portrayed as the great deceiver. The rules seem simple to me. Obey and worship God and all will be handed to you. Or you can choose to eat the figurative apple, grab life by the reins, and steer it exactly where you wanted it to end up. I knew that I didn't want to live on my knees and that I was going to work for mine because I want it when I want it and I want to know that I earned it. And this is not to say that modern-day Christians aren't hardworking. To be honest, I don't think that mo- most modern-day Christians are active Christians. They're just socially conditioned Christians. Most don't even practice or read their own book, frankly. The way I see it, God is the oppressor. First of all, if he is om- omnipotent and all-knowing, he knew Eve would eat the apple, thereby condemning all of humanity for all time until he put an end to it. Why put it there when, frankly, you made her too ignorant to truly stand a chance at defying the temptation? Why even put the tree in the garden? Why keep them blind, thoughtless, and in servitude? Did you make humans for the enrichment of our personal lives and to watch us grow, or for the enjoyment of the worship of you? Were we even able to come close to reaching our full potential as beings had Eve never partaken of that apple? On the other hand, Lucifer gives the gift of accountability and knowledge, which allows us to manifest our lives however we choose, whether the consequences be positive or negative. You do good because you want to, not because you'll suffer eternally if you don't. In that case, the gesture is useless anyways and serves you none. Also, I'd just like to note that on your deathbed, if you choose accountability, you will have to answer for your choices, and you will have no one to blame but yourself, whether it goes wonderfully or terribly. So think it through carefully. 
I haven't been on my deathbed yet, but I'm sure those last regrets weigh a whole lot. I keep saying this word, accountability, and I'm obviously of the opinion that Christianity also teaches a lack of accountability. God, serpent, Adam, Eve, who's the bad guy in the story? The serpent for deceiving? Did he deceive? Was he invited? Did he simply deliver an option? Or was Eve naive and taken advantage of? And like I said before, why didn't God better prepare her for the wiles of the serpent, knowing he made her mentally infantile? There's no accountability for Eve in this story, because people want the freedom of accountability, but not the burden of the consequence. She wanted for knowledge, but once she had it, she feared it and didn't know what to do with it, and bemoaned her unfortunate lot that she brought, a bro she brought it upon herself and everyone to follow her, but still selfishly she just pitied herself. This brings me to my main point, is that humans are going to do what they're going to do. Satan is not to blame. People's poor choices are. Just as a lying gun can't shoot itself, we as humans must learn to accept the responsibility that comes along with pulling the trigger. Lastly, the Bible teaches that men are highly susceptible to being deceived and manipulated by women, and the Bible teaches us essentially that the naive nature of women is the reason for the fall and all of the suffering of mankind. These are just a few points, but they are all taken from very early in the book of Genesis. Like I said earlier, I'm not unwilling to listen, so if there's anything you'd like to contribute or politely debate, please do so in my private messages or comments at the Philosophic page. And like I said, I know this was a heavier one, a longer one, a controversial one, as always. I thank you for sharing your time with me.